Welcome to Digital Detectives, reports from the battlefront. We'll discuss computer forensics, electronic discovery, and information security issues and what's really happening in the trenches. Not theory, but practical information that you can use in your law practice, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the debut podcast of Digital Detectives, brought to you by our terrific sponsor, Applied Discovery, an international leader in electronic discovery. We're glad to have you with us virtually. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises, Inc., a computer forensics, legal technology, and security firm. And I'm John Simic, vice president of Sensei Enterprises. Today on Digital Detectives, we'll be talking about data breaches, something we're all seeing in the headlines day after day. You're not kidding, John. Newspaper headlines and news broadcasts are full of data breaches, and they have been for the last several years. Many of the breaches we've seen involve HIPAA data, credit card, and other financial data used to commit identity theft, and of course, the proprietary data of corporations. So today, we thought we'd focus on recent data breaches, some of the related statistics, how data breaches happen, and how to prevent them. To open up our discussion, John, why don't you mention a few of the most famous and recent cases? I don't know if I'd call them all famous, but let's start with some of the most recent ones. Here's some of the ones that have been reported in this month alone of June. Customer credit cards were stolen from a hack server. That's about 700 records for Driscoll Hotels in Englewood, Colorado. We had about 230,000 records. Uh, This is an Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield compromise where patients pending insurance applications containing Social Security numbers were, were accessed. There was an unsecured database at Florida International University that contained almost 20,000 names, addresses, and social security numbers. Uh, We had personal information, including social security numbers at Penn State University, uh, amounting to almost 16,000 records. Uh, They didn't identify the the total record count, but there was a stolen laptop with with patient information uh, out in Chicago, Illinois. So there's some of that that HIPAA stuff that we were talking about. Um, 708 patient records exposed on the web from uh, the University of Louisville. And then from our own state of Virginia here, we had eight surplus hard drives that were sold with potentially 2,000 Roanoke City Public School employee informations on them. And they didn't properly uh, dispose of that data before they, uh, they, they sold those drives. So those are just June alone. So, and, and it's not the complete set of, of everything that's been reported, but those are very recent. So, as you can see, we're, we're seeing quite a bit of these things. Some of the larger and more famous losses of data, and, and usually the, the famous ones, they say, are the ones that have the biggest record amount. And probably the, the granddaddy of them all is, is Heartland Payment Systems, which is a credit card processing company. Uh, we're looking at 130 million records uh, that were compromised there. The really scary part is that they discovered some some malicious software on their on their network. So this is software that was actually gathering and sending the data off to to uh, to another location, but they're not sure how long that malicious software was on that network. So so far, they they think it's about 130 million records, which is which is quite amazing. Uh, TJX is another poster child for for data breach. We're, we're looking at 94 million records that were hacked there. Uh, 90 million records that were accessed from the the credit reporting database for TRW, uh, 70 million records for the U.S. military veterans that were exposed when a when a defective hard disk was sent back uh, for repair and they didn't destroy the data first, uh, which was kind of kind of amazing. 40 million credit card numbers that were compromised at, at card systems and that's the the Visa, Mastercard, Amex. Uh, some of you folks may have actually gotten letters from from card systems uh, about that that data breach. 
And then finally, 26.5 million names, social security numbers, and birth dates uh, for U.S. military veterans from the theft of a laptop and external hard disk. So that that one hit the news and and was quite a bit uh, was talked about quite a bit. Uh, the the problem with that issue is that the data was not unencrypted. So even though they lost the data, if it was encrypted, they would have stood a better chance of at least it not being compromised. And and that's what's so amazing to me. Time after time after time, this data gets out because it's unencrypted, usually on a laptop, and they just ought to know better. It's it's been around long enough that they should get that by now. But to complement some of your stories, John, uh, and and I think it's it's great to hear them all because you hear just how much of it there is, and and that's just the tip of the iceberg. But here are some of the sobering statistics uh, from the Poneman's Institute's 2009 study involving what are admittedly larger businesses. These are these are not mom and pop shops, but the cost per compromise record was $204, uh, which really mounts up when you have millions of records involved. The average organizational cost was $6.75 million. Data breaches from malicious attacks and botnets doubled from 2008 to 2009, going from 12% to 24%. Uh, these causes now, by the way, exceed breaches caused by IT glitches or human negligence, uh, which is really astonishing as well. 42% and this was this absolutely blew me away. Forty-two percent of the breaches involved third-party mistakes, which is really scary and suggests that there's way too much trust in third parties who might hold your data. Thirty-six percent involved lost or stolen laptops or other mobile devices. Uh, can you say smartphone? Uh, the more smartphones that have become miniature computers, the more of a security hazard they've all become. And forty-four percent of those suffering a data breach have hired an outside company to assist to find out where the breach came from, how to fix it, how to comply with their legal duties, and all of that. One of the examples we ran into recently was from um, uh, the security firm Mandiant, who was hired to do a persistent threat investigation. Uh, An advanced persistent threat is usually what they call it, or APT. Uh, The law firm, which we can't disclose, had been involved in litigation involving a Chinese corporation. And the penetration of the law firm was traced back to China, which had managed to compromise over 30 email accounts of lawyers in the firm before the penetration was detected. Very frightening stuff, especially in light of the fact that typically law firms are pretty lackadaisical about security. And to cite another source, the Identity Theft Resources Center published 2009 stats in March of this year, saying that 498 breaches had been reported involving the exposure of more than 223 million records. I also found a few interesting factoids from Verizon data breach investigations report, they said external causes are roughly three-quarters of the cases and insiders about one-quarter of the cases. And that has decreased the number of insider cases. 81% of the data theft uh, companies were not PCI compliant. That's payment card industry, for those of you who might not know. 83% of the attacks were not highly difficult attacks. 97% were considered avoidable through simple-to-intermediate controls. So let's switch over now to the top 15 action threat types as identified by the Verizon report. Take it away, John. Well, these are the top 15 threat action types from 2009. Uh, they start at 19% and they go down to 4%. Uh, I'm going to list, list them off uh, without the percentages, but the number one by far uh, is the the key loggers and spyware. That's that software or compromises to your to your system that capture the data as you type it in and send it off to some third party. 
there's backdoor command controls, uh, SQL injection. And SQL injection just, just really amazes me. What that is is where you change the, the form of a URL or a command that you're sending to a website, and the web application hasn't been properly programmed to trap that error. And so it allows that that command to come through and therefore compromising the system. But SQL injections have been around for years, yet we're still writing applications that, uh, that are subject to these things. We have abuse of system privileges, uh, unauthorized access via default credentials. That's, that's another one that we see a lot, not just in, in applications, but we'll take something very simple, you know, wireless access points, folks that go to uh, Best Buy or wherever they are, they buy one of these uh, access points, they just plug it in, connect it up to their network, and they don't change any of the default values. Those are very, very well known across the internet. So, somebody doing drive-by or whatever can very easily compromise compromise those networks. So, if, if you're doing anything that, that revolves around network security, please change those default credentials. Uh, violation of acceptable use and other policies. Uh, unauthorized access via weak or misconfigured ACLs. Those are access control lists. Uh, packet sniffers. Uh, unauthorized access via stolen credentials. Uh, so, that's, so, so, you folks that are putting passwords on Post-it notes, that's where they're stealing the credentials. It's not quite as simple as that, but uh, we want to make sure that, that you're at least protecting your, your login credentials. Social engineering is, a, is another threat action type. Uh, authentication bypass. Physical theft of access. This gets into the point uh, where you might be losing your smartphone. So now that you've you've lost that, someone has physical access now. Brute force attacks. Uh, that's lower down on the list because uh, those take some time. We have ramp scrapers going on. We have phishing, and and that's uh, you know via the email. That that's happening there. But now that we've identified some of the the monsters that keep the CIOs awake at night, uh, what do you? Th- what do you do if they've been victims of a data breach, Sharon? Well, there are a lot of recommendations out there, and I've pulled a number of them. Some from the Better Business Bureau, which, by the way, has a nice publication on their site called Data Security Made Simpler. Uh, but the first thing you want to do is make sure, even before there's a breach, that you have a breach notification policy in place and a team in place that's going to deal with the breach once it happens. Uh, you want to train your employees to be on the lookout for breaches and how to identify them. You want to gather the facts right away, who, what, when, where, how. I mean, this is an emergency when it happens. You want to notify law enforcement. And we've seen a number of companies that are reluctant to do this because they don't want the bad press. But needless to say, they are legally obligated to do so by virtually every state data breach law. Uh, You want to notify your financial institutions, especially those that process credit cards on your behalf. You certainly need to seek legal counsel to identify your obligation under breach notification laws. And this is especially complicated if you do business nationally, or worse yet, internationally. Nationally. Then you want to notify your affected customers in a timely manner and offer them support, such as credit monitoring, which is going to help you to get some goodwill back, because uh, we do see people leaving companies who've had data breaches. So, you want to do everything you can to retain the affected customers. And finally, you want to do a post-mortem and refine your process. Nobody is ever going to get this 100% right. There are a lot of lessons to be learned from every data breach. So, Monday morning quarterbacking can be very, very useful indeed. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and our sponsor, Applied Discovery. Applied Discovery, a global leader in complex litigation preparation and management, combines subject matter expertise 
and innovative e-discovery technology in a complete and proven process. From litigation readiness to collection, analytics, processing, document review, and production services, we manage your entire process with dedicated project managers to ensure quality and workflow efficiency. With our team, including former practicing attorneys and technology experts, Applied Discovery can help you successfully navigate the challenges of complex discovery. Discover Applied Discovery today at AppliedDiscovery.com. Need the latest on e-discovery-related topics? Check out our new e-discovery center right here on the Legal Talk Network. You'll find podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more. Just visit our homepage at LegalTalkNetwork.com and click on the eDiscovery Center logo. Welcome back to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Today we are exploring the subject of data breaches. John, what everybody really, really wants to know is how to prevent data breaches. Can you give folks a few useful pointers? Sure. Um, training and awareness is certainly high up on my list. Uh, too often, a, a lot of the, the problems that we're seeing and running into is, is not because folks uh, are, are incompetent uh, in doing these things. They just aren't aware. They, they aren't aware of what they should be doing or, and or the steps they should be taking, et cetera, and or when, how to recognize potential uh, threats upon their, their, their data, whether they're going to a website, et cetera. So that, that whole training and awareness piece is really, really key. Uh, we had mentioned this earlier, uh, encryption on, on laptops and, and the use of at least some sort of uh, SSL or secure communications. It, it's really amazing today why folks aren't encrypting things. Uh, whole disk encryption on laptops, whole disk encryption on, on desktops as well. Uh, and don't forget those removable drives, the flash drives, et cetera, which are being used extensively. And you can get really, really inexpensive flash drives, but also you can get software that's that's able to encrypt those. There's even open source software. TrueCrypt is an excellent example of, of encryption software that's free. So if you just did a, a search, Google search for TrueCrypt, you'll get software that's able to do removable media as well as uh, encrypt, your, encrypt your laptop. There are a lot of vendors that are out there doing data loss prevention solutions, and you'll probably see the acronym DLP. Uh, that's not the television. <laughs> that's data loss prevention. Uh, so it's those types of solutions are, are available out there, and that's one way to help you reduce uh, your exposure, at least in those, those data breaches. Um, identity and access management solutions as well. But when you're doing those kinds of things, make sure you turn on logging and any sort of audit trail that, that might be available. Too often we see where people have these, these kinds of systems in place, but they don't turn on any tracking. So you want to make sure that you've got that, that audit and, and logging trail in there and then, and review those logs by exception. Certainly there may be a lot of data that's collected. So you have to kind of back off. And if there, if you get data overload, uh, only look at those things on an, on an exception basis. So you should have it configured such that it, it triggers that for you. Endpoint security systems and other anti-malware tools. That's becoming kind of a buzz phrase now. These are your antivirus. Uh, the antivirus vendors have kind of moved into a total internet suite now. So they're doing malware, antivirus, uh, complete endpoint or end-to-end -end security solutions. Centralized management of IT security solutions. Uh, again, this is where you've got a group that's watching, at least from the enterprise perspective, and maybe even multiple locations, where that data is and what those potential uh, uh, weak points are within within your security. Uh, 
background checks for employees. Uh, we're seeing more and more of that now, especially with with the social media uh, explosions that are there. But definitely run background checks in, on your employees. It's not that expensive to do and doesn't take that long. Uh, physical, physical security of the premise. The worst thing is if you can have physical access to something, then you may be able to boot from a CD, you might be able to compromise, et cetera. But, but most of the time, uh, if you can secure the physical devices so that someone has to use a network to get to them, then that certainly makes it a lot more secure. Uh, you want to audit the securities of third parties. You had mentioned before about how, how all this data <laughs> breaches seem to occur through third parties. Make sure you're auditing their procedures or policies as well. Uh, password protection, that goes without saying. You should have password protection on your computers, your laptops, uh, some sort of a strong password, and something of length. Uh, because when you're doing these brute force attacks, it's the short words, the short dictionary words specifically, that get cracked very quickly. So if you have some length to it, then you're, you're better off. If you have a smartphone, make sure you put a pin on it or some sort of unlock code. Um, you poor folks out there with an iPhone, those pins are very easy to, to break. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly hoping that with uh, with Apple's release of the the iOS four today uh, on the on the iPhone four that they've at least locked down the ability to bypass that pin on that. But uh, Bottom line is put a pin on it. If if you don't have a pin and you do, in fact, lose your smartphone, then anybody could pick that thing up, get to your contacts, get to your uh, email, get to anything. So you at and, least want and, to put that first line defense. And, John, we should probably note that when we poll audiences of lawyers, typically it's only about 20% that have pins or less. Right, right. It's it's they they, they cite it as being difficult to to do this. Uh, I say a pin. If you're using an Android based phone, there's no pin. You've got this sort of finger swipe thing. Uh, make sure you kind of go back and forth with that because the oils off of your finger, in fact, will stick onto the screen. So if you do like an L shape and only go one direction, you can hold that up to the light and actually see what that is. So it's that's effectively quote cracking <laughs> your your access to an Android phone. Get a really good. Uh, paper shredder that does cross cut, not the strip type, because a strip type, you can uh, painstakingly go through there and actually piece those things together. So the cross cut shredders are not that expensive. If you do a lot of shredding, you know, in your offices, then gets, get a quality one and a quality cross cut shredder is going to cost you like $500 or more. So get to that. Uh, be careful when you're disposing old equipment or leased equipment. We've had heard recent uh, stories about uh, copiers, I believe it was out of Buffalo, where that ended up in a, in a warehouse that uh, they had all this data that was on them in clear text that, that wasn't encrypted, wasn't wiped off. Um, and there's a big difference between you know large enterprise security and, and the small business security system. So that's uh, you can take steps at the small business and small law firm level as well uh, to help because they're going to um, put a wall up, at least if you will, and then anybody that's trying to compromise your data is going to go elsewhere. We want to talk just quickly about a couple more things. One is uh, social media and data breaches. And I'll tell you, most of this happens because stupid people post stupid things. It's really simple. They're not responsible. They're not thinking. Uh, the real worry is third-party applications, particularly with Facebook. Uh, there are so many third-party applications with Facebook. And according to Wired Magazine, and this is just one example, uh, the company RockU, which is a popular provider of third-party apps for Facebook, for MySpace, 
pays for other services, has already been hit with a proposed class action suit, accusing the company of having such poor data security that at least one hacker got away with 32 million emails and their passwords. Uh, the suit claims that Rocky made uh, its unencrypted customer data available to even the least capable hacker. That's really a problem. And, and the underlying difficulty was that there was a uh, SQL injection flaw, which John mentioned before, which the company did not immediately address, and that resulted in the class action suit. Uh, of special interest to organizations charged with data breaches associated with social media, we are beginning to see something else John referred to, data loss prevention software. And Semantic now has uh, its suite 10.5, which provides some capabilities, including things like visibility and control of unstructured data, protection for social media sites, including Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, etc., and even protection for private clouds. And I know we're almost at the end here, but John, tell us quickly what you think data breaches um, and how they'll be affected by SaaS and cloud computing, which we, we, we are asked a lot. Yeah, we, we could spend an entire podcast, and maybe we will in the future, on just SaaS and cloud computing. But, but in a nutshell, uh, it, it kind of shifts the responsibility when you're doing cloud computing and, and software as a service. So now, at least in your, in your enterprise networks, uh, whether you're small or large, you have somewhat of a control over the access to that data. When you're using third-party apps and you're going out to the cloud, now you're dependent upon the cloud provider to provide that security. And we've already heard, you know, Hotmail had some problems in the past with compromise to them. Uh, you know, Google Docs uh, has, has had compromises, you know, even though as big as Google is. So it's just be careful of those kinds of things and be, be wary or, or at least aware of what your provider, your SaaS and cloud computing can do. So that does it for this edition of Digital Detectives. And remember, you can subscribe to all editions of this podcast at www.legaltalknetwork.com or on iTunes. And you can find out more about Sensei's Computer Forensics Technology and Security Services at www.senseient.com. We'll see you next time on Digital Detectives. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Check out some of our other podcasts on LegalTalkNetwork.com and in iTunes.